You're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Do you want to speak with confidence and authority, have more influence, and get bigger and better results? Whether you're a top executive, an entrepreneur, or climbing the career ladder, this is the show for you. A leader who wants to inspire others and leave a lasting legacy. Now here's your host, world-renowned TEDx speaker, author, and executive communication coach, Dr. Laura Sokola. Welcome to the podcast, Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, your host, founder of Vocal Impact Productions and author of Speaking to Influence, Mastering Your Leadership Voice. My guest today is Michael Fomkin, CEO at VIP Ignite, a premier placement organization for actors, models, and musicians, and other professionals in the entertainment industry. Michael, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be here, Laura. This is absolutely amazing. I remember the first time we met, we were literally swinging through the jungles in Costa Rica <laughs> and, and, and this topic came up and here we are actually doing this. So this is absolutely wonderful to be here today. Hey, to anybody out there who's like, wait, what did he just say? Yeah, actually that we, we were on a, on a vacation trip with a, a group and we just happened to be part of the same tour. And uh, yeah, literally, I think it was zip lining through Costa Rican jungles, which was a darn fun trip. If I do say so myself, anybody else out there, if you have the opportunity, highly recommend it. I think you agree, Michael. I agree 100%. You want to learn how to be a leader? <laughs> Fly over the Costa Rican <laughs> jungles. You will know what leadership means. Yeah. It definitely gives you a chance of like taking your life in your own hands to an extent saying, right, if I can conquer this, I can conquer just about anything. So with that very uncommon intro for my podcast, as I think most people will will attest to, tell us a little bit about VIP Ignite. What's your 30-second elevator pitch? We started the company 16 years ago, a way for aspiring and professional actors, models, and musicians to be able to meet with, network, and connect with the top industry experts in their field who can literally snap their fingers and change their life in 30 seconds or less. Amazing. 30 seconds can change so much, so much. That's also why the elevator pitch is important because you got to make people get it. And that's why we like to start with it every day. What's your favorite part of your job? Seeing the transformation of people who are starting in the industry and they start off with a dream and literally seeing the transformation from a dream to something that they can do to something they're actually doing and being able to kind of utilize social media and, you know, just getting to know them and just seeing that journey that they go on. It's just absolutely amazing. I think that's almost universal for any leader is not just about having your people do good work. It's watching your people transform themselves into leaders, go from somebody with a dream, with talent, with potential, and helping see them really manifest all that they have the potential to be. Absolutely. I agree 100%. So tell me about something that's going on in the entertainment industry that's new, that's different, something that's coming up perhaps. And how do you have to adjust your messaging now to account for it and to dealing with different stakeholder groups? Well, you know, a lot of people, when they think about the entertainment industry, especially fashion, you know, if you talk to the average person, say, well, describe to me, what do you think the average model looks like? People will always say, well, the average model, they're tall, they're thin. They probably walk the runways of Paris and fashion. They, they'll always say they're female and young. When in reality, maybe 20 years ago or 15 years ago, that would have been the average description of a model. In today's world, there's been a really big shift with brands and companies mm. for people who are unique and different. So literally almost that person, that girl next door, that creepy uncle, the, <laughs> uh, the lawyer, the dad, like brands really want to appeal to all different types. So what we're really seeing now is a lot of brands are requesting people who are like multi-ethnic, 
like you can't really tell are they Spanish? Are they Latino, African American, Middle Eastern? Like they want people who are really just like kind of a mix of cultures. And that's kind of where the United States is headed. So based upon that, that's where these brands are now targeting. They're just targeting different types of people, everything from transgender to LGBT to, you know, right now, African-Americans are huge for brands for different types of products where 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't have seen that. It would have been more Caucasian talent, especially for TV and film and so forth. So the world's really opened up. Like literally today, if there's any point in time that you could choose to break into this industry, being unique, being different, being yourself, right now is that absolute opportunist time to be a part of the industry. So how do you change your messaging to, to get, get people to understand that? For us, it's utilizing the imagery that we use plays a really important part on social media, showing people of the different backgrounds, the different looks, the different ages. One of our most successful talents, she's 51 years old. She weighs over 200 pounds. She's not that tall, thin girl, but she has this really great long gray hair. She's booked over a million dollars last year. She's been doing things for major brands such as AT&T, Verizon. So it's showing those success stories that people can relate to. So where before you would do branding where it's just like somebody who's, you know, I want to aspire to be that person. Now the branding shifted where it's like, oh, that person's kind of like me. I could do this. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of shifting a step back, but now shifting two steps forward and giving more opportunity to more people. I think when you look at runway models in Paris and Milan, relatable is not the first adjective that jumps to mind. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. So So in communication, in speaking, tell me about what's something that you're really good at personally and what do you wish you were better at? I love speaking from stage and like doing presentations. I think I'm really great at what I would really love to be better at is being like a little bit more off the cuff, like being able to really go into a conversation, not rehearsing it sometimes, being able to be really just more natural. It's probably one of the toughest things that I feel myself. Most people, if I'm speaking with them, they probably wouldn't say that's a problem for me. So it might be a little bit more mindset for me, but I just feel that my confidence is lacking in that area. But when you get me on stage or you get me with a presentation, I'm ready to rock it. So being prepared is great. That's my strong point. Certainty. Uncertainty is going into a conversation unprepared. Just quick story. When we first started the company, what I noticed was as we were working with these high-level clients, the more information I knew about them, not just who they were as far as the business is concerned, but knowing a little bit about their personal background, things they were interested in, I was able to relate a lot better to them. One of the examples we had was the very first time I sat down, We had I was working with a radio show. We had a radio show with CBS. We had the opportunity to sit down and have lunch with Senator John Glenn. Okay. And he he was, you know, one of the first astronauts, astronauts first man sure. to go around the earth. And we sat down, we had dinner with him. And I realized I was so excited to meet him. And we met at Ohio State University and the building we were in was named after him. And I didn't even realize that. Like at the time, I just was so focused on him being an astronaut. And that was something he accomplished 50 years ago in his life. Now he was a senator, mm-hmm. all these different things. And honestly, I'm calling him senator. But at the time when I sat down for this dinner, I didn't even know he was a senator. (laughs) Like I went into this conversation not prepared. So Mm. ever since that time, and this was like 16 years ago, ever since that time, I've always made it a point to be prepared for conversations, to always be really ready to know who I'm talking to, know things about them that I can relate to them. So that makes myself being able to be more relatable to them, more charismatic and so forth. So I think that's something that everybody struggles with, the feeling of, can I be prepared enough? What if I'm thrown into a situation where I didn't have time to prepare at all? And, you know, even in comparison to your first point, as far as 
wishing you were better at speaking off the cuff in general where others may think you are fine. It's what can I do versus what do I feel like where I know I could be better, right? It's like, can I do it? Sure. Can I do it? Fine. Or even better than average? Maybe. But I know what I'm capable of when I'm at my best. And this for me was not at my best. I think it's very kind of like martial arts where, you know, when you're a white belt, the green belts are amazing. When you are green belt, you look at the black belts and they're amazing. When you're a black belt, you want to be a second or third. You always realize, okay, now I've hit this point, but I realize now how much more there is that I still want to improve, that I still need to learn where I could be that much better. Have you had that experience? Yeah, I definitely can relate to that. (laughs) I love that. Going to be the uh, public speaking black belt, second, third degree, and and ultimately master. Just when you think you mastered, there's something, there's always something you could do. Then you move to jiu-jitsu, you move to another type of fighting skill. Right. We have to unlearn everything you've learned and try to learn something else. It's very hard to undo. Now, what about role models? Who are some of those jiu-jitsu, third degree, black belt speakers that you've encountered in your life? Who would be a communication role model for you? There's this one person that I actually really look up to. His name is Mark Schoenfeld. He's been in the music industry probably for over 30 years. And his stories and the way he describes things are just absolutely amazing. Like, like even from the very first time he got into the music industry, he met with this major record executive who wasn't interested. And he literally went to his house and scaled the walls and knocked on the door. <laughs> yeah, like, it was like it sounds like stalking, entering. but it was okay. like stalking. But 30 years ago, but when he tells the story, it's just, you know, this was, was the start of his career. He would go on and write tons of songs and movies, but it was just the way he's able to tell a story. Even somebody like Russell Brunson, who's a CEO of ClickFunnels, sure. just the engagement that he has and being able to describe things to really take you on the journey and to be able to appeal to all your senses, right? Your sense of touch, your sense of hearing, of seeing things. You know, I walked into that room and it was just so huge. There was a thousand people there. My heart was racing. My hands were sweating. And I knew I had to step out onto that stage. And this moment would, you know, determine my destiny. And it's just the way he brings you along on the journey. So those two, I just, people who can tell really great stories to me are just like amazing. I just love that. Like I love researching and learning new stories, new things that I can apply and realizing some of the moments in my life, how can I better describe them to an audience to be able to educate them or to, you know, to make a point across for them to embedder themselves, to empower themselves, to reach another level, to understand the point and so forth. It's just not talking, but really being able to describe the moment. Yes. uh, Storytelling is such a powerful tool. And it's one of those things where if you can tell the right story, you just hit all the buttons inside the listener and, and really make them experience the whatever it is you're talking about, as opposed to listening and understanding. And when you can make them experience it with you, you're just at a whole different plane at that point. And I, I want to just put in a disclaimer that I'm sure you can correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, but uh, neither Michael nor I are encouraging anyone to follow that specific example by stalking someone, scaling their walls or breaking into their house. If you are trying to get their attention, that is not appreciated nor endorsed, correct? I agree 100%. Okay, so it's the story and the engagement of the story, not the lesson that the guy was teaching from the story itself. So all of our lawyers and all of our uh, compliance departments, etc., making sure that there's no concern or no confusion about that particular message. But do tell a great story. Now, tell me about a time when you've had to adjust your speaking style, adjust your approach to connect with different groups. And how did that work? So there was this one time early on when we first started the company, we were trying to build the brand up and we were doing really well. And I was doing presentations and, you know, explaining to different audiences about the company, what we do and so forth. 
So one day I get this call and it's from the school system in Philadelphia. And they're like, hey, we would love for you to come out and talk to our kids, right? Like explain to them about the entertainment industry, talk to them about opportunities, career opportunities, job opportunities, things that they can do with their life that they might be interested in. I was like, oh my God, this is great. I'm so excited. This is perfect. I love this. So I show up and I bring a really close friend of mine who's an agent in New York City and my business partner. And we go down to where this big group is going to be. And we pull up outside and there's like a whole bunch of police officers kind of gearing up in like riot gear. I'm like, wait, I'm like, it's not exactly a welcome wagon, is it? Yeah, I'm like, like wait, 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 hold on. What's we, going on red here? Red carpet? Like no. Yeah, there's no red carpet. There's no light. <laughs> but there's certainly a, like a really big police force. And what they failed to mention when booking me for this speaking engagement was we weren't speaking to a group of kids who were looking for a career in this industry. We were speaking for a group of kids who had made mistakes in their life and their option was to attend this event or to go to jail. So for most of them, they had, so they were just there, right? Because they just didn't want to go to jail. So that's quite the bar to hurdle as far as, uh, you know, the standard is like, the ego takes a little hit, like, oh, you weren't that excited. It's like, well, me or jail. Okay. You Wow. Yes. That's not exactly the, what you would expect someone to say. You know, in foresight, when I first, you know, of course we were there, you know, one of my core values is if I make a promise, I keep my promise. Like I'm going to get the job done. So we're there, you know, I motivate myself. I'm like, okay, I'm going to inspire these kids. I'm going to change their lives. And I went in and I gave that presentation that I would normally give to an audience that wanted to be there. This audience didn't. And I literally bombed out. Like I was so excited. I was so motivated. I gave such great content. And literally the audience was just yawning. They were playing on their phones. People were standing up and walking around. Mm. They just did not want to be there. And I left there devastated. I really, like, I really hurt my ego a lot. I just, you know, and it wasn't even so much my ego. It was more that like I failed the kids. Like I really Mm -hmm. failed them. Like I should have seen that I needed to shift at that moment. And the only benefit that came out of this though, would be probably about three or four months later, one of the kids that was there actually reached out to that agent. Mm. And there was a point during the presentation where he said, does anybody want to have any questions? And nobody raised their hand, of course. So we were like, okay. And I wound up talking to him. He wound up coming to New York. He wound up getting signed. He started working as a model. And I said, hey, when I was asking about the questions, you know, what happened? You know, you know, what made you wait so long was really my curiosity. And what he said was really interesting. He said, well, I wanted to raise my hand, but I was afraid of the other kids, like mm-hmm. that they would, I would have a confrontation. They would be, you know, just not as nice as they could be. So he was really in fear of getting hurt by showing interest. And it kind of took him a few months. And we did help one kid and we helped him change his life. But that lesson allowed me now when I go into presentations to be really understand the audience that I'm talking to. How can I best serve them? Because that very first time I went in, even though I wanted to serve them, I was really trying to serve myself. I was trying, Mm. I wanted to be the speaker. I wanted to be the president. I wanted them to cheer and clap. And I was looking for that significance in myself. And now I realize over the years that that's just not how it's done. It's you go in with how can I best serve them and, and really understanding when you're speaking from stage or you're speaking on a call or whatever it may be to really listen to the person, to understand to kind of peel back the layers of how you can best help them and to really be able to shift the conversation. But as long as you're always keeping it about serving them and helping them, you're going to reach that destination.
So if you could go back, if you could go back and read, have a do-over on that day, what would have been the difference in your approach? Understanding that these kids are there because of that particular motivation, carrot stick or otherwise, what would I, I have been think I would, I would have opened up with that, hey, I would have related to the audience in a way like, all right, guys, I know that you really don't want to be here. And mm. I totally understand that. Because there was a point in my life when I started in this industry, this wasn't my career that I planned. Mm. And I would have went through a story and an explanation of how I got to be where I was at, not by choice, but just by chance. Mm. And in that chance, everyone in this room has an opportunity to change their life. And I'm not going to just talk to you about a career in this industry, but I'm going to talk to you about lessons that you can apply to anything in your life. A lot of mm. you guys, who here wants to be famous? Who wants to be a hip hop artist? Who wants to be a model or an actress? And really relating to them or who wants to make a lot of money, like appealing to things that as a, a new person would have been on their forefront, I would have given them what they wanted, but then I could have trained them in what they really needed versus kind of not doing that at the beginning of the conversation. And that's especially with teenagers, it's a whole different species unto themselves. I've got one of my own and it's definitely a different mindset even. Plus, when you add on all the other challenges that that particular group was doing. And, and yes, when in doubt, start with, like you just said, a story and one that helps to relate to that audience. Yeah. Regardless I, of I, I should have asked questions to them at the beginning. Hey, what do you guys want to learn? Tell me what you want to do. All right. And really been able to customize it right then and there. Would have made a huge difference, not on one, but maybe two or three or four. Right. Right. And maybe you did. You never know. You never know, you know, what seed got planted down the line somewhere. So that would be a challenge for them. Let's give a challenge to our audience today. Time for the listener 24-hour influence challenge. And Michael, this is your chance to speak directly to our audience and challenge them to take one step that they can complete within 24 hours to have more influence. How do you want to challenge our listeners today? A great tool that I love to do and I hope this fits in for this, but um, every morning I wake up and the first thing I do is I listen to a TEDx talk mm. and it opens up my mind to different styles of communications of different ways of getting a message across mm. and being a relatable to a lot wider of an audience. And I've studied so much motivation and read so many books and I've done so many things and they've all helped. But the one thing that really has stuck and really every day just gets my mind going is just spending that one hour just randomly picking a TEDx talk and just listening to it, just going all in and just absorbing something and seeing the world from somebody else's eyes has really been a great tool for me to be able to communicate better, to be a better person, just to overall relate not only to my clients, to my family, to customers, to employees, just being able to have that one hour a day doing something like that. So that's my challenge. Just spend an hour a day, listen to a TEDx talk. It'll change your life. Well, and the nice thing is that most TEDx talks are only 18 minutes or less. So if you did have an entire hour, of course, you can listen to a good three of them at that point or more because not all of them take that long anyway. Or if nothing else, you'd listen to one and you do it in 20 minutes and it's just a start, something to inspire you to see the world through somebody else's eyes. Does that sound about right? Sounds perfect. No, I love it. That's a fun one. And if you don't know where to start, you can always start with mine. Shameless plug there. Go on and take a look at my TEDx. Want to sound like a leader? Start by saying your name right. And we'd love to know what you think if you have a chance to listen to it out there as your first TEDx talk to follow Michael's instructions for your 24-hour listeners challenge. Feedback is always welcome. All right, then we talked about one kind of mistake, but you know what? There was something that you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking, Michael, about how small changes in a message can make a big difference. And even something as small as shifting but to and. 
And can you give me a little more about, can you tell everybody else what you were sharing with me about how you changed your approach to handling certain kinds of, how to give feedback, for example? Okay. Yeah, great. I, I love this. When you're, you know, CEO, everyone's coming to you with, you know, problems and issues. So all the time, I'm always trying to make this creative criticism, right? You always want to improve things like move the dial up, you know, a percent, 2%, 10%, sure. right? Give people feedback, effect, a little right? constructive criticism, yeah. constructive feedback. Sure. So all the time I was always, well, I want to be positive. And I would always say, okay, well, hey, Jonathan, I think you're doing a great job. But when you're on the phone and I hear your, your tones, they're just not where they need to be, right? That, that's why you're failing. And I meant that to be positive. And what I realized that somebody had gave me this tip and it just changed everything was that the moment you say the word, but it doesn't matter how great the compliment was, the moment you say, but everything before that word is forgotten. And the only thing the person will focus on is that negative side of the conversation. So what you do is you change the word, but to, and. So I think you're doing a great job. And the way we can improve what you're doing right now is to re- really up your tones, to have be more positive on the phone. It's just adding something in, adding in the critique, the criticism, but using the word and instead of the word but, because now they're kind of getting a double dose. Hey, you're doing a great job and I want to see you even do better. This is what I would love for you to do in order to achieve XYZ goal. Yeah, you, you put in a second word there. And I think that's really the crux to me. And it's something that I've used with a lot of clients as well, that the four letter word that's a good four letter word is the word even. Right. So the difference between saying, I want you to do better versus I want you to do even better, or I, I know you can do better versus I know you can do even better, or to use your example, you're doing a great job. And to do even better with this, it's acknowledging that it's good, not just that it's not good enough. There's that shift. So the and plus the even just doesn't negate that positive. Like you said, when you put that together, the and and the even, I think is the perfect combination. And especially in the leadership role, because sometimes as the leader, you forget you see everyone sort of as they're there for you or they're working for you. You're a team, yes, but you don't realize that they look up to you. So the words that you say matter to them. Oh, yeah. To you, you're in your mind, you're just trying to help. But in their minds, they're seeing it differently. They're seeing, well, Mike's not happy with what I'm doing. And oh, my goodness, am I going to lose my job here? Or, you know, whatever it may be, or the wife, relationship, husband, so forth. But by doing that, it's like you said, that word even too is great. Now I'm going to use that one too. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) See, look at that. It's all about collaboration, co-elevation. And when you put two brains together, something even better comes out. Love it. Now, tell me about a time when you had to share some bad news or initiate a difficult conversation or, or field a difficult conversation. How do you handle it? And what's a tip for how people can navigate those uncomfortable discussions? Navigating uncomfortable discussions, you know, we, I had this situation a few years ago, we were doing a live event. So, you know, one of our events where actors, models, musicians have the opportunity to come in and meet with these high level executives, right? So one of the executives that we had, he was an Academy Award winning producer. He was one of the headline speakers. So we were so excited to have him there. This was like a big moment for us. It was a real transformational opportunity to be able to get somebody of this caliber. Now, when we're doing live events, we want to just really over-deliver. So we have our speakers on a set schedule, but sometimes the speakers get pretty excited and they're just literally tearing into the audience. They're giving them massive value. They're, they're just exploding with information. They're so excited. The energy is so high. So we allow them to go over. So like they'll have, a you know, say 30 minutes speaking time. 
they're now in 45 minutes or something. So they went over 15 right. minutes, right? So of course, we, you know, we're kind of waving in the background, like, hey, you know, right. or, you know, we'll have the host, you know, kind of jump in. Hey, guys, let's take questions. Yep. So we had this one producer and we went over 15 minutes. He was supposed to speak at 11 and now it's 11.15. So I literally, I see him in the back. He's kind of pacing. And I walk over and he's literally got purple smoke coming out of his ears. (laughs) Literally. He is literally like ready to blow up. Unbelievable. (laughs) Now, just to give you a little bit of a backstory, this person, the world that he came from, when he expects his coffee at 9 a.m., his coffee is there at 9 a.m. When he's hosting a meeting at 11 a.m., everyone's there at 11 a.m. Like his whole world is very structured minute by Mm -hmm. minute by minute. It's being held accountable. So when I went over to him, you know, I understood this and I was like, okay. We shifted his world a little bit and he's not happy about it. So what I do is whenever I'm in a confrontational situation or I'm talking to somebody who may be unhappy, whether it's a customer or a client, Mm -hmm. the first thing I do is I'm going to relate to them. So I call this my magic three words, feel, felt, found. Okay. So the very first thing I will say to him is, listen, sir, I totally understand how you feel. If I was in your position right now, I would have felt the same exact way. Okay. Okay, so immediately I diffuse the situation. I'm not there to argue. I'm there. Yes, I, I agree with you, right? Yeah. I, I understand how you feel. If I was in your position, I would have felt the same way. But let's find out what exactly we can do to get the results we both want. So for him, it was just like, hey, I totally understand how you feel. If I was in your position, I would have felt the same way. But our speakers went over because they're just providing such massive value. And I didn't want to stop them. Sure. And I know when you're going to be on stage, you're the headline speaker. You're going to just literally 10X that. So what I want to do is I'm going to add an extra 30 minutes. So now, even though we're behind, you can use that extra 15 minutes. You can use that extra 30 minutes, or you could just be perfect where you're at. But at least that way you could take Q&A. And I can guarantee you by the time you're done speaking today, literally 30, 40 of our clients that are here today, they're going to come. They're going to want to sit down with you. They're going to want to speak with you, ask you questions. It's going to be an amazing experience. So by relating to him, I was able to diffuse the situation, understanding where he's coming from again, and then just offering whether it's one piece or two pieces. A lot of times I like to order two different items. So like say it was a refund. I said, okay, great. Well, we can't do a refund until I understand how you feel. If I was in your position, I felt the same way, but let's find out what we can do to do this. So what could I do to make you happy? Oh, I need a refund. Okay, great. Well, I can't do a refund, but I could do this or I could do that. And it allows the customer, the client, a choice. So the way the brain works is, okay, well, yeah, I want to want a refund, but two choices gives them a choice. If I just offered one choice, then I'm putting them up against the wall and they're going to come back at me. Right. So by doing the two choices, at least I can diffuse the situation downwards. Yep. But like feel felt found is like transformational. Like for those of you that are listening to this or watching this, wherever you may be, put that down, write it down, put it on a mirror. It's so easy. It's so simple. Yeah, it's so easy and it's just so powerful. Right. So the feel felt found when somebody's upset about something, acknowledge how they feel, tell them that hypothetically you would have felt the same way if you were in their shoes and then do your best to find, find, found. What can we do? How can we find a way to, to solve the problem together? Find a solution. So feel, felt, find, or found. Love it. That's such a great tip. Everybody write that one down because it's something you can apply just about to any uncomfortable situation when somebody's not happy. So I I love that. Now, what about the virtual world? Because you're so used to, in your industry, having all these live events, all these meet and greet celebrities and aspiring actors and professionals of all different sorts. How has the shift to virtual changed the industry? And how have you gotten better at it? 
in the last 18 months or so? And then what would help you be, here's that word, even better? Well, obviously for 14 years at the time, we were doing live events. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, big stages and lighting and the whole nine. And we, we mastered the art of that. And literally, you know, 18, 19 months ago in the world kind of went chaotic. Yeah. Um, we woke up one day and we were like, wait a second, there's no more events allowed. <laughs> we're out of business. <laughs> like, holy cow. So we had to pivot and we pivoted to virtual events. And I'm going to be honest with you. I never want to look back. Like virtual events are absolutely made. We went, we invested in a big studio here and we have mm-hmm. all kinds of, you know, the equipment and the lighting. We had, we had to learn all of this. Like we, we, sure. know, we came from a, the library where we had to learn how to use everything. All this, you know, it was like a ton of equipment here. And our decision was we're going to do virtual events, but we're going to do them the same way as live. We're going to have like a registration. The people are going to go through the same process. Mm-hmm. They're going to get to meet with people one-on-one. And at the time when we first started this, like Zoom did not have an option to have like multiple breakout rooms. Like right, you have like right. 10, we needed like 50. <laughs> right. And that just wasn't. So I was literally calling Zoom to make arrangements to have this feature, you know, built in for us. Sure. And what's, you know, luckily they did for us, but what happened was when we switched over to a virtual, we went from being localized where we do an event in New York. So we'd have speakers from New York and talent mm-hmm. from New York. We do an event in LA. You know, you get speakers from LA. Obviously, people would come from all over because they want to move to LA. But when we switched to virtual, all of a sudden the whole world opened up. Like we literally had speakers from Greece, from Tokyo, from London, from Australia, from all over the country, Chicago, Orlando, Miami. All these agencies and clients and customers that never would have heard of us or never been given the opportunity, Zoom literally transformed that, like doing the virtual events transformed that. And I remember very early on when I was talking with a lot of the clients, they were like, well, you know, I like doing castings. I want people in front of me. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, well, listen, we've been doing these Zoom calls. They're really phenomenal. Literally, the clients who told me they would never, ever be on Zoom, they only do live castings. I spoke to one of them last week and we're like, hey, we're working on a live event. He's like, live event? He's like, no, I, I want to do it online. Like, I literally love this. Like, they literally, yes. like, it transformed the whole industry. Like, it's not going back. Like, now you can see people from all over the country before clients had to pay to fly people into New York and LA. It was just sure. a nightmare. Now it's just, boom, you can narrow down the people that you're interested in and just fly in those final choices. Right. So much so, more efficient, so much more effective, yeah. so much more wide reaching. We, we 10x our sales. We 10x our reach. We've been able to help so many more people. It's just, yes. it has been absolutely phenomenal. Yes. Um, and what's really great is people now that you're saving on the cost of travel. So you're, you're doing less impact to the environment, you know, hotel, all those different things. It's just people now can have a chance that would have never had a chance before. So we absolutely love doing virtual events. We do hybrid events where we'll still meet with people. And, you know, because I think meeting and having human interaction, of course, is still important. But those over-the-top events that we used to do, they're all done on Zoom now. We literally have a room here with like 35 computers. And we literally set up individual Zoom rooms. So people are still doing one-on-ones or jumping from room to room to room. And we had to learn all of this. We figure it out. There's a real saying I go by. It doesn't matter how impossible something is. You will always find a way. If yes. you put your mind to it, you will. there's nothing that's impossible right. that you can't find a way to solve that problem. And when you, the bridges are burned and you have nowhere else to go and if the world right. went into chaos, we found a way to do it. We just never gave up. And now it's just been absolutely phenomenal. I could not see myself doing it any other way. Now, Michael, if you were asked to give the commencement address, and you do lots of speaking engagements all over the place, but if you were asked to give the commencement address at a high school graduation ceremony, not just uh, to that particular 
group of people who might not have wanted to be there, but for students who are dying to be in that very, very event, graduating from high school, whether or not they're going to college, regardless of their career goals, what's the one thing you tell them that they need to do to be successful? All right. So one thing I love telling people when they ask me that question is I tell them to look at life and their future as an orange and to be able to squeeze that orange so hard that you get every single last drop out of it. Mm. And that's how you should treat your life every day. Mm. Are you squeezing the most out of your life? Like every single day, I can motivate you. I can give you all kinds of advice and tips. But at the end of the day, you're the one who walks that road. You're the one who has to walk across fire. And every day in your life, are you squeezing every drop out of you? Are you making the most out of every single moment from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep? Enjoy your life to the fullest and do everything you can to help others. And in turn, that karma will come back to you 10 times over. There's nobody in the world who cannot become anyone they want to be, choose to be, just by living by that mantra of squeezing life to the fullest. Yes, I love it. Squeeze life to the fullest. Squeeze the orange. It's not about if life gives you lemons. This is just recognize that life is an orange in the first place. It's already sweet. Just got to milk it or juice it for all that it's worth, as it were. Michael, how can people learn more about you and VIP Ignite? You can go to VIPIgniteLive.com. So VIPIgniteLive.com. That has all the information about the company. You can sign up for our free summits. We do open calls. There's all kinds of fun stuff there. We have books and downloads. Or if anyone would like, you can email me. My personal email is Mike at VIPTalent connect.com. So Mike at VIP talent connect.com. Feel free to email me any questions, anything you want help with. Even if you just want to chat, I check my own email and I love being able to learn about new people and experiences and, and share any type of wisdom that I can. That's amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time and, and for outing me in the very beginning, of course, but it's a great lesson to learn for anybody out there who's like, oh, I can't just talk to strangers or I can't just, I'm going to be in this weird place. I'm not going to meet anybody there. Literally, and this is literally, literally, Michael and I were ziplining in Costa Rica and we got talking and now here we are doing a podcast episode together. So you never, ever, ever, ever know where you're going to meet somebody who's going to be an amazing connection for you, friend, resource, colleague, companion, whatever you want. So don't be afraid to initiate conversations because you just never know who's sitting right there next to you on the zip line. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. Everybody else out there, thank you as always for listening in. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and don't forget to give us a five-star rating on iTunes so we can help even more people increase their confidence presence and influence. And finally, of course, if you want to download my free guide to equipment recommendations for virtual influence, including my picks for microphones, lights, and more, go to speakingtoinfluence.com. I'm Dr. Laura Sokola, and you're listening to Speaking to Influence, communication secrets of the C-suite. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Laura Sokola, and I want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Speaking to Influence podcast. If you love listening to these episodes as much as I love bringing them to you, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And please go to iTunes right now to rate and review our podcast in order to help us expand our reach so even more people can master the three C's to command the room, connect with the audience, and close the deal. Thanks for listening to Speaking to Influence, Communication Secrets of the C-Suite, the show for leaders who want to speak with impact. 
the hosts, producers, owners, and media distributors of the show make no guarantees that the strategies and information discussed will result in profit or other success and may result in losses. The opinions and statements of the hosts and guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the owners, staff, managers, broadcasters, or sponsors of the show. No medical or psychological therapy or personal or professional wellness or relationship advice is offered in the show. You are advised to seek counsel on matters related to your health, family, relationships, job, or other business and legal matters from licensed advisors in those areas prior to making any changes in business or lifestyle. No information provided may be suitable in your situation. As always, take responsibility for the decisions and actions you take, including the reactions they may make in your work, family, health, and life.